we set it up so the designer, if they want to, can pass a little of their discount on, but not all of it. Because that's just, again, to me, if you're doing the work and you're selling this, you should be benefiting from it, period. The Wingnut Social Podcast, Don't Leave Money on the Table with John Dupre. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating digital influence into physical success. This is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the host of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell. Hey there, Wingnuts, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am the head Wingnut, Darla Powell, and I'm joined by the ever-nagging ginger... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Natalie Graf. You know there's truth in these little nicknames, right? Uh, yes. I don't want to say they're like little loving endearments. Yes. Mm. Uh, what'd you do, like bond with my mother or something? The oh, other my day? God, did we? Oh, my gosh. We went to Abby's soccer game last Sunday, and boy, did we bond. And let me tell you, she played for the 19-year-olds, and she is only 14. She played goalie on a 5v5 tournament, and they won first place. She played tremendously. I'm really, really impressed. And she There's was the hope. tallest. There's hope for her. She was the tallest of all these 18-year-old, 19-year-olds. <laughs> they did, did they know she was 14? Yeah, well, our girls knew she was 14. I'm not sure. I think the other team knows who she is, but I'm not real sure. Imposter. That's right. So (laughs) why did you bond with my mother so much? Oh, it was Attack on Natalie Day because she and I bonded over how grumpy you are and what a nag you are. (laughs) Uh, Didn't she compare me to my father? Yes, I felt like so validated. I was like, that never happened. So yeah, and you know, it was I won on two points. I got to bond with your mother and get brownie points with your mother and beat you up. So it was great. I know. It's all about beat me up day. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you for that. Oh, Thank welcome. you for that gift. <clears throat> you're welcome. You're welcome. Darla, I want to um, bring back up to the wing nuts. I believe you told them a, a lie. What lie? I believe you told them that you were going to try HelloFresh. Did I? Uh-huh. I don't I, think I said that. I think that. you did. There was... Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah. maybe you should tell them you were going to try HelloFresh. All right. So Natalie does all the cooking, and she's actually a really good cook, and I... I can maybe get away with a grilled cheese sandwich. Bowl of cereal. Or a bowl of cereal. I'm just not. I love to eat. And anyone met me, they'll they'll know that's true. <laughs> but I love to eat, but I do not love to cook. So I'm like, you know, it's been eight years. Maybe I should try. <laughs> so, oh, of course, I also would like to say Natalie's such a control freak that she doesn't really let me try. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So I decided to try HelloFresh. You know, those little pre-packaged little meal ingredient things, kits that they send you. To tell Natalie I was going to cook, and um, we've been Darla, getting those, have, and they've been very delicious. Have you cooked one of those? I cooked half of one. I tried to cook the first one, but you were there breathing over my neck. I Don't do this. Not, Don't do that. Because no. you're a true Wing, cancer. Wingnuts. And I love cancers, but you all know you all bossy as hell. Listen, wingnuts. Darla barely knows how to boil water. How the heck do you expect her to cook a whole meal. Mind you, she can't dress well either today. I get home <laughs> and she has on red Adidas striped with white striped shorts mm-hmm. and one of Abby's pink soccer shirts for breast cancer. This ain't on video. I know, but it's Pebbles just hair. awful. I don't care. Nobody's seeing this. I'm comfortable. I did my yoga in my mirror today, my mirror workout. And I said, you know what? I have no exterior appointments today. Lots of phone calls and meetings, but nothing where anyone can see my face or how I'm dressed. (laughs) This is one of the perks of being your own boss and working from home. And y'all know what I mean. This is true. Can I get an amen? Wait, I'm listening for it. 
There they go. Did you hear it? They all said amen. Yes, yes, yes. Starla. They did that to humor you. <laughs> no, they know I'm right. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about our podcast today and our reason why we started this podcast. Do you know our why, Darla? Yeah, because I love broadcasting and I like to hear myself talk. Well, this is true. And all you do is listen to talk radio <laughs> when you were a kid because you were strange. But I'm it, still strange. It, it was, yes. So the other morning, Darla's like, have you checked your email? Have you checked your email? I'm like, no, not yet. You know, it's, it's 630 in the morning. And she's like, you need to read your email. So I read my email. And in that email, I realized right then and there that Darla was right on why we do our podcast. It was just a, without naming any names. It was just a small snippet of thank you. I needed to hear what was being said by a certain guest. And Darla got a little forklumped about it because for for clumped, but it just gave us a little purpose of why we do this and, and what we're doing this for. And it also sparked another little interest that Darla has yet to tell the wingnuts. But uh, Darla's throwing around doing something that might be a little off the wall. Are you talking about my interpretive dance class? No, that's crazy. Well, hello. Like a 43. Have you met me? Oh, 43. That's cop code, by the way, down here in Miami, Florida for crazy. Yeah, 43 is crazy. And if, if you're an 86, you're screwed. <laughs> you're double crazy, which isn't real, but it's hilarious. It's fun. It's yeah. just that. So what was I have. thinking of doing if it's not the interpretive dance class? Was it the underwater sword fighting? I think it had to do with like writing a book. Oh, you know, I was thinking about that. I know. I was thinking about that. But I think I need to be more successful first before I do that, before I have any. Yes, but I want to argue with you over the air here oh well (laughs) what makes over the air any different (laughs) my argument is if your podcast or i should say our podcast yeah thank you was able to reach that one person that needed to hear that at that particular time what do you think a book would do you know and i have to tell you all jokes aside and you know me i'm emotionally seriously unavailable and i deflect any kind of intimacy or anything that's legit you know, heartfelt with jokes and humor because, you know, I've had... You're a 10-year-old boy? Well, no. Yes, but no. But I've, I've, I've had a lot in my life. I've had a lot of stress. I've, when I was younger growing up, I had a lot of turmoil and travesty and a PTSD and, and stuff that, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, we're all about transparency and being honest and being truthful. And I, I remember sitting with you the other day and I'm, I'm, we're talking about and thinking about some of the, for the lack of a better word, shit, I've just gone through my life. And I'm like, you know, it's no wonder I'm just not bat poop crazy. It's it's amazing that you not, only, 43. not only am I bipedal <laughs> and can chew gum at the same time, <laughs> but that I've managed to accomplish any of this stuff that we've done in the last years. And of course, when I say I, I mean we, because I could not have done it without you. But just in the DMs and the messages that come through from designers that have been in the business forever and baby designers have been like, you know, it's so motivating Thank you for all this information. Thank you for all you do. You're such an inspiration. Have just totally, um, what's the word, broadsided me. Not blindsided. That's the movie with, um, what's her name? The football player. <laughs> See, there I go. Humor Very again. Start, starts go. to get serious. I make a joke. No, but seriously, and it's just really touched me. And even though, you know, yes, would I like a wingnut empire? Would I like to be an HGTV? Yes, we kid and we have fun about it and we have a, a good podcast around it. But seriously, at the end of the day, if I can just change one person's life out there, men, women, women my age, you know, 50, 51, 40s, 50s, who are thinking, you know, it's not too late. I am relevant. I can start a new career. You Because know, there are so many of them come to me and they're like, oh, it's over. I should have done that when I was younger. Screw that, you know. But that's just one small part of what I find the most meaningful of all this. I mean, it's all fun and it's all meaningful. But that to me is my biggest why. Yeah, and there you have it. 
Wingnut. Darla opened her soul for a tiny minute. And, and made a joke. And Sandra a Bullock. Joke. Sandra yes. Bullock. The Blind Side. I know. That, that was, was a good, good movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. All right. So should we get back to serious, Darla? That was serious. Let's get back to crazy. That's, oh, that's where I that's thrive. Fun. I definitely thrive. So today, you, you drive me crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> Did we talk earlier about what a nag you are? Even your mother. I think you like Even it. your mother. Listen, your mother loves you more than anyone. She gave birth to you, and she thinks you're a nag. That's and your mother, own. let me. if your mother thinks you're a nag, girl, you need to go see someone professionally. <laughs> I'm not saying anything against your mother, but. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay, so today's show is more business-oriented for interior design with a little bit of peppering of marketing on here because we're going to be reaching out to you guys who are the full-service interior designers or who want to be the full-service high-end interior designers. And it doesn't have to be high-end, but more on the full-service part. And if you guys might just be leaving money on the table by not marking up some of the surfaces and the materials and stuff that you're but the key convincing clients right. that they need in their house. Yes, but the key is mm-hmm. you have to get in with those brokers mm-hmm. and those vendors. And when we speak to John today, he's going to give us a little bit of feedback on how we get in and how they as a company for those vendors and those brokers can end up in turn help the designer not leave the money on the table. Yeah, plus you want control of those services. If you're offering yourself as a full service luxury designer, but you're leaving some stuff to chance, like, you know, the, the wood floor or the tile or the fireplace to other people to do the logistics and the ordering and the selection and making the money. You're really not in control and they can't call you an egg. That I will give you. Thank you. You being, an, yes. yeah. <laughs> you being an egg makes you an amazing project manager. So I, I guess I can't have my cake and eat it too, right? So, oh, but you can. You have a nag. So John Dupre is the co-founder of Revel Woods. You guys might be familiar with that company. He's been on Luann Nagara's Well-Designed Business Podcast. And of course, you know, he would love for designers to buy his flooring to use in their projects. And that is goes without saying. I'm going to just put the elephant out there in the room and call it what it is. But what we really want to get down and dial down to is why you want to be that person who's buying those big lots of materials like flooring and tile or, or you know, other surface materials or hard finishes in homes and your, making the money on them and your offering nag, your nag knows that answer and offering that to clients. You want you want that control. If you're a control freak like my my cancer nag, Natalie Ann Graff, I think that you're going to enjoy the show. So let me tell you guys a little bit about John Dupre. John Dupre is the co-founder of Revel Woods, a premium flooring company that prides itself in providing quality products with a high level of integrity. John grew up in the flooring business. In fact, his father, Craig, spent many years as an installer and refinisher before opening a wholesale distribution company in New York. As a youth, John worked alongside his father. Later on, John made the decision to work outside of the family business, gaining skills in sales and project management before returning to the family business. Armed with the belief that providing expert product knowledge to interior designers and end users is just as important as providing a great product, the online experience that is Revel Woods came to life. Revel Woods is revolutionizing the flooring industry by empowering designers cut out the middleman, thus sourcing flooring that works best for their clients' needs. My apologies to the middleman. (laughs) Wingnuts, help me in welcoming John Dupre to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, John Dupre. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Thank you, guys. I am so excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you too. Would you say that? Would it be fair to say that you're floored to be here? Nice. You know what? 
I've heard, I thought, I thought I'd heard every joke about that and I hadn't heard that one. So you got me on that one. Week. Well, yeah. I will say that my last job, maybe this is one of your questions, but my last job in the flooring industry was for a sandpaper company. So I heard every one of those jokes. <laughs> ah, there we go. Well, good. I'm glad I could give you a, a fresh perspective on our craziness here at Wingnut Social and how we like to roll. So I was telling the Wingnuts, uh, the topic of this conversation is how not to leave money on the table. So I know that you have Revel Woods, right? You're one of the founders of Revel Woods and you sell directly to designers. And a lot of designers are doing just that, leaving money on the table by letting other companies and other vendors make that money. If they're specifying, you know, wood floors or tile or appliances, we're going to talk about why the hell aren't they getting them their trade pricing and making that profit and how that helps them be more efficient as a full service luxury designer. That's where we're going with this. Are you ready? Are you game? I am ready and game. (laughs) But not gamey. Yes, but I'm not sure, uh, John. (laughs) <laughs> Darla, Darla gave me a little bit of your background and, and you had a podcast and you rooted for the bills. He did. And and she let you on this podcast without without asking. Listen, I'm all about love and abundance. I know, but you're a diehard dolphin fan. And I should be strung up for that. Well, this is true. So, so we're just going to forgive you know, and, and just move along. Yeah, here. nobody's perfect. Okay. In my we're defense. Fans. I born and raised in Western New York, so I was. Uh, it's not. It was not a ch- Bills fandom is not a choice. I was hideously born this way. Uh, and you know what? And I think we were born to be Dolphins fans. So I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll just just call it a truce and move. So along. let's bond in our congenital uh, football illnesses, <laughs> which is what hating Tom Brady. Well, oh, yes. that's mutual. That's yeah, a mutual. Yes, that's a that's a very <laughs> way we found common ground. Now See, let's move along. Yeah, now, <laughs> now we're united, like the Starks and uh, who? Who did he? I don't with? know because I and haven't the, seen this end. Stop, and Daenerys. Yes. Oh yeah, she hasn't seen the end of Game of Thrones, and this isn't airing till June, so that's kind of old news. But oh, it'll be way old my, news by then. I'll yeah, be almost boy. over my disappointment by then. I will oh, never be. That's eight years I of my life. I will never get back. Okay, no. but-, but I was excited about about talking to you here and, and going over a few things because as a product project manager, I kind of understand exactly about leaving money on the table and why a designer wants to kind of have their hand in everything and have total control. And that's exciting. Yeah. So let's dig into it. Tell tell us your thoughts, John. Yeah. So I think uh, it's, it's great. And as a project manager, this is also great because I don't have to explain fully the problem. Although it's one of those things that for designers, it's it's not an obvious, like, you should have been doing this your whole time. Like, there's a real specific reason why some of these larger ticket items uh, are not necessarily accessible to buy for designers or easily. And uh, it's it was done that way intentionally for a really long time. So if you don't have the, uh, the right partnerships in place, it makes sense that, okay, I'm not going to stick my neck out and do this because the money's just not going to be there for me. So one of the things that we've done, and I guess I'll give a little bit of my background. So there's a lot of these or a number of these big ticket items that uh, there's money in if you know how to do them. I can really only speak to mine as as far as like being an expert in my field, but there's mm-hmm. others where a lot this really applies to a lot of them and a lot of it's finding the right partner. But when we talk about that, what are the trends that I've seen is that at least in interior design and this, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show is that there's 
a number of ways to monetize an interior design business. And that's evolved over time. You know, I think uh, markups on products used to be a really, really big thing. And then with technology and a lot of the e-commerce wave and some of the vendors trying to the direct to consumer phase um, kind of pulled a lot of that back. So a lot of interior designers then moved into, you know, the thing that couldn't be taken from them, which was the billable hours, but, and your design fees, which you should absolutely be making top dollar for, but that's tough to scale. So the question then has been, okay, well, how do we increase as a designer, which I'm not, by the way, full disclosure, uh, <laughs> the how do we increase our revenue stream without necessarily either raising our price? Because that's one way to do it, right? With hours, you can scale them two ways. You can raise your price, you can work more hours. Right. Uh, so we raised our price. So we'll get yeah, that and that's so good. And you should, yep. you should do that. You should be where, you know, you should be charging what you're worth, at least, at least what you're worth. So one of the things that we've seen is uh, it's twofold. So from the interior design side of things, items like wood flooring have been very hard for interior designers to break into. And the reason for that, as we said, is we've always, our, our industry is very old and very outdated. And we've always sold in this sort of linear fashion of manufacturer sells to a regional wholesale distributor, which is a company that you've never heard of that doesn't advertise is in a building without a sign on it. Um, and then they sell to only dealers with displaying like flooring displays. So you have to be like a flooring dealer. And then those people would then sell not to interior designers, but they would encourage interior designers to kind of bring their business in. And then maybe they get a little kickback or something. Right. There's a thank you or whatever that is. That kind of depends on the dealer and whatever they have access to. So as an interior designer for something like wood flooring, it's an enormously technical, uh, enormously expensive product that if you get it wrong, it's a, it can be catastrophic for a project, both financially and as well as a client goodwill. So if you're an interior designer, it makes total sense to say, look, I'm not going to bother with this. Number one, there's no money in it. Number two, it's all headaches, right? So yeah, that's it, my first thought is headache. Okay. So not to interrupt you, but that's no. what I'm thinking. Oh, say, I can see why some of the designers in the audience might be thinking, God, do I really want to deal with this? So, but keep going. Tell us why we do want to deal with it. Right. So I would say that under the old paradigm, you almost don't, you're kind of smart to not deal with it. So we have an additional problem. I'll talk a little bit about our side of the fence on the flooring side. And so my background, uh, I was sort of born into this industry. Again, I didn't choose it. I didn't choose the Bills fandom, but here we are. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna remind you of that. <laughs> yeah, a wood, wood flooring for a Bills fan. And it's it was just like, you, you know what? You got to play the hand you're dealt. So I got an offsuit seven and nine, and I'm going to play the heck out of them. So uh, no, but it, in all seriousness, my father was a contractor. Um, kind of took the job out of necessity when, you know, my parents got married out of college and had me when, you know, right after that. So kids are expensive. And as I found out the hard way, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where he just needed the money. So he kind of got into flooring contracting since that was what was around. And so he did that for 23 years and then eventually kind of moved throughout the industry and ended up starting a wholesale distributorship. So I kind of grew up doing this on the contractor side. And then after college, when I thought I'm not going in the flooring industry, I can choose my career. This isn't a class system. Uh, <laughs> found out that that was also wrong the hard way. And yeah, how did that uh, work out for you? No. Yeah. Well, I'm here. I'm talking to you guys. So I did something right. <laughs> That's uh, a good point. Thank so, you. So the, uh, I ended up 
working for a, uh, a company that made the sandpaper for flooring contractors that use on these machines. And yes, that is as sexy as it sounds. And uh, so traveled the country sort of working with contractors. And my dad was sort of like, come on here and join the family business. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, but when we joined that business, when I joined that business, you know, I kind of looked at the, um, you know, we as a, as a team kind of looked at the industry and said, this is kind of antiquated and outdated. And so the way that wood flooring is sold to end consumers is really through your kind of the flooring store that you're thinking, like the specialty flooring store, or the carpet store off the highway. Right. And that for us, we thought, you know, I wonder if we could do this better. I wonder if we could create a better channel. So what we set out to do, uh, and in that time that we were kind of building this out, my father has been in the National Wood Flooring Association for a while. He's actually currently chairman of the National Wood Flooring Association. So we're not like new at this. We're actually pretty good uh, at this particular field. And so our thought process was, well, what if the, instead of trying to sell, like every other industry has gone through this, some sort of business model revolution, whether it's the direct-to-consumer model, whether it's just e-commerce in general. And ours really hasn't. Like nobody's ever made a lot of money selling flooring online. So we said, okay, well, something's going to change, but what does that actually look like? And so Revel Woods was the culmination of uh, myself and our and our team and all of us working together trying to say, okay, let's throw out everything we think we know. What does that look like? And so our where we kind of landed after screwing it up a few times was uh, the interior designer, the residential interior designer should be that link between the wholesale side of flooring and the end user. It really doesn't need to go through the deal. The dealer model is antiquated. And the if you're an interior designer, then you're doing this project, you're in control of this project, this item should be managed, sold, profited by you. And so then the question was, okay, we well, can't just do that. Like, how do you do that? And the whole basis behind Revel Woods, empowering interior designers, kind of moving them on this trend that they're already starting to do, which is integrating with these construction type items. Do you see that as becoming a trend with other wholesalers for finishes, finishes uh, like tile or flooring? I mean, what other companies besides Revel Woods have you seen taking up that mantle? So there's a, a few that I, I'm, I am told, and I don't want to give necessarily any names because it's not my stuff to sure. tell them. I don't think any of this was public. But okay. we are seeing some other companies starting to, to look harder at the design trade and say, okay. hey, is this something we should be more engaged in? Uh, it's a slow process, and you know they're nervous because they don't fully understand it. But I know that I'm seeing on the design side uh, a huge interest, more and more interest in saying, you know, I'm already kind of working with this, but I'm not making anything off of this. I don't know much about it. Uh, how do I integrate these into what we're doing? And so I know uh, for... For example, one of the designers that we work with, and this is this is an extreme case, but it is possible. You know, she has a business that's integrated with some builders in town and has really kind of taken the mantle and run with it. Uh, she had learned flooring, not not from us necessarily. She'd been doing it for a while, but she kind of was an outlier that learned how to add, incorporate it into her business. And she'd been doing it, she said, for about seven years. In the last three years, she sold over $1.2 million annually in flooring. So, I mean, it's, wow. yeah, there, if you, it's, so I'm not saying that like, oh, sign up for a pro account with Revel Woods and you'll do that tomorrow. That's obviously, you know, we're not children, but that is something that, you know, something like what she's doing and integrating in with these items 
is going to be even less likely to be disrupted by some sort of low end crappy e-commerce furniture app, you know, so it, it's a, it's an investment for sure, but it's something that we're starting to see more of. And, you know, here at Wingnut Social, we're all about the marketing, right? So how would a partnership with your company or a company like yours make the designer more marketable? I mean, yes, I know the the example that you just gave us, she sold 1.2 mil, but I'm just saying the average, you know, even from your baby designer to your middle designer to your more experienced designer, I know the answer to this being the project manager, but I want to know. You? I do. Okay. You I'd like do. to know. I would like to know your take on from it. From the horse's mouth. Yes, right from the horse's mouth of someone that is is involved on your side of the fence instead of ours. So this was something I've actually learned in listening to our design partners uh, because I, you know, not a designer. So I went into this thinking I knew everything, learning I knew nothing. And uh, <laughs> that's always painful to learn, but you always feel much better on the other side of it. And uh, one of the things I found was I thought, I always thought the, hey, you can make more money on this was the real lead. And it turns out, at least from the designers who I've spoken with, it's not necessarily, it's the control. And I've had even designers say like, when when I have a project and they go to their own kind of flooring showroom and they pick something out that wasn't what I was working in, once that floor is not, I mean, that floor changes the image of the entire space so much. It is just critical. And it'll, it blows up her photography. It blows up everything. Like they, once you lose that control, even over that, it's not even about the money, but it's about selecting this thing that incorporates that entire vision, right? Because interior design is not about this end table or that lamp. It's about this. What is this space communicating? How does this space feel? How all these pieces, right? Have to work right. intricately together. I don't know how to do that, but I know that's the end result. So it's, um, so it's something that such a huge critical piece like the flooring to seed that level of control. And then on top of that, from a project management standpoint, uh, a designer who can take that off of their client's plate to say, look, you're working with me. This whole thing start to finish is I'm going to handle it and you're going to, it's just going to be much easier. I think is a, a fairly powerful separator between someone else that's going to say, well, look, I, you know, it's a difference between a designer and a personal shopper. I agree. And Natalie and I actually, we just did a quote for a house. It's a a house out here in the Redlands area where we live and they want to get like over a million dollars for it. And the first thing my mind went to, because it has one of those, you know, patchwork flooring, you know, is let's gut this, let's put all the tile down. And I'm already thinking about going through our tile broker, you know, the cost per square foot, the markup on that and having the design control and the logistics of, you know, controlling that project from literally the ground up. And I think that yeah. gives you that gives you a small advantage, I believe, over other designers. Or and, a big and, advantage, I well, would say. Yes. It, uh, the control uh, issue is huge. Well, and we all know I'm a control freak. Yes. yes. We've established this. <laughs> well, because you're but yes, good. <laughs> she is. It, it, allow, it allows you to to pick and choose who comes in and out of your project mm-hmm. and, and what they do for you and, and, and what you allow. And then by mm-hmm. able to tap in to some of the surfaces and to make money on the back end, that's pretty much just. But also to put your stamp on it. But your it's stamp a of quality. It's part of your service. You know, if something goes wrong with the flooring or something, you're taking care of it. You're part of your full service. And I, I just think it's another. Um, facet of when you're selling to clients. This is what we offer. This is what you, when you hire Darla Palantariers or ABCD designers, this is one of the things that we bring to the table. 
And I think it's fascinating. And John, you you mentioned, and we kind of brushed over it, because this is something, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, we have not done much here at Darla Powell Interiors, which is our design side, is the appliances, unless Natalie has, um, I don't know about it. So you, because you were talking about, you know, the old school, how the design industry is outdated, and designers think it's just a pain in the ass to try to get, you know, vendor pricing on some of these larger items. So as far as the appliances goes, Natalie, do, do we have a wholesale client account with an appliance vendor? No, not really, right? Not We're, really. Yeah. I usually can just um, – the way our appliances work down here just mm-hmm. from the market that we're in is I like to deal with my mom and pop shop that's been, mm-hmm. yeah. been in business we forever. We do support local. And I try to support locally. Um, I, but I do believe John said that this was not his exact wheelhouse, mm-hmm. but he did have knowledge that um, designers should probably uh, start – reaching others that uh, mm-hmm. dealt with the big ticket. No, this is something that we've left on the table sometimes Absolutely. with clients. We've been like, oh, you know, go down, you know, pick out your suite of appliances. And, you know, this is something that I would recommend too to start taking control over, pick out the appliances. And I know a lot of and higher I'm, end designers do, but I'm sure, John, you, money. Ag- you agree with this, correct? <laughs> oh, completely. And, you know, and that is the the key. And again, I'm not an appliance expert. Uh, mm-hmm. You should, you should see my appliances, but the, uh, <laughs> but I do know that, you know, so I can't necessarily speak to or control them, but I know if, if we're, you know, starting to show the success that we're seeing on the flooring side, there is a message that at least I've been saying to my fellow travelers that the design industry, um, if they're willing to jump in and do this and learn this is there's so much buying power and influence in being an interior designer that it's, uh, if you can get the right partner, that will see that and have faith in you as a designer and say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to empower you. You're, you're the horse we're riding in this. So uh, that as a manufacturer, as a distributor, whatever the the partner level is, that, that is real. I think that's really powerful. And I think that control again is because this is now, this is your vision. I mean, uh, and again, can't speak necessarily to appliances, but I know with flooring, could you imagine a fashion designer, right? Let's use a, a tangential industry. Could you imagine a fashion designer designing something for a celebrity event, like a Oscar red carpet kind of deal, but they're going to pick their own shoes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, no. That, no, no. that's right. crazy. And it, but it was sort of like, well, can you imagine if the industry fashion industry was structured in a way where, well, because shoes actually have to serve more of like a function and that you have to walk in them and they're going to touch the ground. Um, that's not the fashion designer. We have to give that specifically to, you know, the factory or whatever, they're going to, they're going to decide that. And you know what I mean? It's like you, you, that, that would be absurd yet. That's where we find ourselves. So obviously would, let's go back to flooring and, and rather, you know, wood flooring, tile flooring. A lot of that is touch, feel. People want to see it. They want to see samples. And they want to roll in right, it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I highly recommend <laughs> rolling in everything yeah. you yeah, buy. It's always ever. good. <laughs> but you've moved that now to an online forum. How did you know the design industry was ready to accept the validity of the flooring selection on the online process? Oh, oh that question, is such Natalie. a great question. Uh, Thank yeah. You. So here's, here's the thing with flooring samples. So we've been at this for a while. So one of the things we decided was not just okay, how do we change the business model and sell to designers? Because it's it's so much more complicated than that. You can't just be like, we sell designers now, boom, smack the gavel and it's done. So part of that, right, we had to build a system that was going to meet all of the needs of the workflow of these different designers. So sampling is obviously critical. And if you're going to buy a floor sight unseen, you're either A, flipping a house or B, 
you can't see in general. I don't know why you would do that. Like that's <laughs> foolish. So we know that sampling is, in fact, I get uncomfortable. If somebody, if you said, Hey, here's, I'm going to do 300,000 square feet of this thing. I see the picture online. It's fine. I want to buy it. I would be like, uh, this is probably a scam because nobody would do that. So sampling is so critical. So we took a look and said, okay, well, what is a flooring sample? What does a flooring sample actually need to convey? And we reverse engineered the entire process. And in doing so, you know, when you go to a flooring showroom, this is another reason why designers have trouble selling flooring is because these flooring samples are huge. And if you're going to carry a bunch to a client meeting and you're not going to take them to the showroom, you're, you're kind of doing that like angry gorilla walk where they're hanging down between your legs and you're trying to shuffle up the steps, you know, <laughs> and it's because uh, you've got like six of these and it's like, hold on, I got to make 12 more trips to my car. And then you sit down, and you're meeting with a client, and you're all sweaty. And it's like, this is, there, done I'm that. loving this. Yeah, this is great. Wish I could do this every day. Uh, oh, okay, no, we're done. We didn't pick any of these. Okay, I'll be back next week with six more of these. <laughs> so it's, um, that was not going to work. But the reason that they're this large is for this reason, a flooring sample has to show four things. And that is color, texture, sheen, and variation. So color, texture, the, you know, the color's pretty obvious. You need to see that in person. You cannot ever, no photography is ever going to accurately display color because as you know, it's contextual, right? So something looks one way in this room, in this lighting, in this time of day, and then in another room at nighttime under the whatever lighting, it's going to look like totally different. You can never get a picture that's going to show that. Uh, texture is like, uh, you know, if it's been hand scraped, if it's smooth, if it's got a wire brush to it, um, you need to see that in person too. There's just yep. no way around that. Sheen, you also need to see, that's the light, for anyone who doesn't know what the word sheen means, it is the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you're fired from the audience if you're you don't fired. know what sheen is. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> Look it up, genius. So the, uh, you know, sheen, obviously, you need to see that in person too. You need to see how it's going to work in that space. And then the last one is variation. And variation is the stuff that makes mm -hmm. wood wood, right? Your knots, your streaks. Yeah. Because it's a plant, no two boards are identical. Right. That one, though, is the toughest one to show. And that's why you need a larger sample because of the variation. So that's you need even to the same way in tile. Like here, when we were specifying tile for a client, we'll buy a whole box and put it out there because the variation, you know, they, they repeat so much per square foot in the tile. So that, that is a tough one. And you want to, you want to be able to see the big picture. Is this going to be too busy? So the, yeah, the, you're right. That is a good one. The variation, I think for me is gosh, the most important. It is, but it is, but the nice thing about variation is the first three need to be seen in person, but the variation doesn't. So if oh, okay. you know what the color, the sheen and texture is, and you're good with that, and then you just want to see, is this a really busy floor? Is this not that busy? A picture can tell you that pretty accurately if you already know those other three things. So that's a good point. That's very true. Yeah. So what we found is that if we offloaded the flooring, even the large flooring stores are only going to be a couple of square feet. So every, every photo that we took for our stuff on our site, we did at least 40 square feet. Most of them are more, but it's at least okay. 40 square feet, which is no, no sample is going to be 40 square feet. That's mostly, two, it's basically two boxes. So we did that and we realized if we offloaded variation to a picture, then we could do those other three things with a much smaller sample. So then that allowed us to do kind of, if you're comparing the smaller samples that we send with the pictures on the site, you're going to get, not only are you going to get an accurate representation, you're actually going to get a more accurate representation than you would get from any flooring store sample. So now you have a sample that as a designer, you know, you can fit eight or 10 in a box that easily fits under your, that you can carry one handed 
versus eight or 10 of those big builder boards, you know, you're going to, you're going to throw your back out. I know. Cause I did that once. <laughs> Been but, there, done uh, that, yeah. Right. So our thought process was, it's not even just a matter of like buying a floor online site unseen. We actually, it's not even just a, this works for online. We actually believe our sampling system is better than anything that exists, even in the traditional channel. So I like the idea of samples and I like that you think that you know that your product is maybe probably better than what you can buy at the store. But how do you suggest designers market themselves as a cap- as capable of assisting with the floor sourcing in spite of them not actually being the expert? Yeah, that's a that's another great question because that's a challenge you kind of run into is as a designer, it's almost like this, you feel this obligation, like you have to be the expert in everything. Right. And if you're not, it's sort of like there's a client thinking, okay, well, what else does this person not know? So <laughs> what... So we do offer a number of different resources. If you've got a project you're moving into, we, we're very hands-on, with, at least. And again, I'm speaking for us. I can't speak for the tile or appliance people necessarily, sure. but we're very hands-on. So if you've got um, – we're, we're developing a number of content, educational content that you can consume if you're bored. But realistically, if you're going into a project and you know it's not just a use the website and order samples and don't call me. Um, we're very hands-on. You know, we we actually limit the number of pro accounts we accept, and the reason for that is when we accept someone as, with an account with us, more often than not, it's me who's personally reaching out and saying, "Hey, let's have a call. I want to learn about your business. I want to learn about whatever projects you've got going." So that before you even walk into that client meeting, I might be able to identify six or seven different things that you're going to, "Hey, heads up on this, heads up on this," and you're ready to go. The other thing we'll do too is. If you've got an issue with installers or that kind of stuff, which we're also connected with, we will handle a lot of that for a designer. So a designer can say, look, I'm working with this company. They handle this. If you don't know the answer to something, I'm willing to sit in. I'm willing to talk to the client directly. You know, We're not trying to end around the designer. It's, it's something that whatever you need as far as like a flooring, wood flooring guru, uh, we're in your corner. And as I mentioned earlier, my father's chairman of the National Wood Flooring Association. So our network is really deep. If there's an answer we don't have, we'll find it. That's, I love that. And do, is this something like if you have a designer who's, gosh, for the lack of a better term, would it be a dealer? What would you call them? Reseller? Do they get like a little badge on their website? Or is that something that they can say, oh, I'm, you know, an official Revel Woods, you know, body, body, body. I love that idea. <laughs> uh, we don't do that. That's a good currently. idea, right? It is a good okay. idea. We don't do that right. currently, but I'm more than happy to do that if somebody wants it. Uh, See, that's you know, a great idea. Um, well, and that's the, one of the, I'll send you my bill. All right, there you go. Uh, the uh, and I I will pay it eventually. Uh, the uh, the idea behind that too, you know, we that was one of the debates we had originally, kind of moving into this channel was, do we even offer or even show anything to the public? And the reason for that was uh, we decided to do it not because you know we're greedy and we want all those sweet sweet direct to consumer sales because I actually believe that business model is a bit of a myth in this industry. But the reason being is that if you don't know a lot about wood flooring and you see we're selling a red oak that is MSRPing at $8 a square foot and Home Depot has a red oak that's $2.99 a square foot, then the question you're going to get, right, is what's the difference? And so if you can't explain that difference by yourself, that's a huge burden on the designers, especially if you're just getting into this. So we wanted the website to be public facing because the only thing you can compare a Revel Woods floor to is Revel Woods. Like you're not going to see Revel Woods over here and then this person has it and then this store has it and and then this website selling it cheaper like you would get with the stuff you'd find at the dealer because your client's going to go home and Google it and immediately see if they can find it cheaper. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things too, that you have to be careful when you do pick something like this that you want to make money on, on the, you know, the big scale thing is that you find stuff that they're not going to get readily at Home Depot. Well, because it also goes for, for mm-hmm. furnishings because yeah, now the way, yeah, yeah, the way of, the way of, where, of Wayfair mm-hmm. and all of that, they can, if you give them the name, they can actually shop you online and then there goes whatever percent. Right. And, and the, the whole myth of, oh yeah, you get a 20% discount, you got to pass it on. It's, yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, comical but that's right but that defeats the whole purpose exactly but with wayfair and Hal's and all that so what i really like about this with the big ticket items and becoming you know cutting out the middleman on that is it helps offset some of the nickel and diming stuff of wayfair you know maybe they got a chair or a mirror that you know somewhere else but i'd like to see them get a whole house of wood flooring you know and get you know i from someone else when i could get them you know the quality and the price and make the money myself i think it's a nice pivot to combat some of that that's going on in the nice interior balance. design industry. It is kind of a nice balance. And there's still clients out there that are going to want to pay the the extra for the quality. And if you're a luxury designer or a high-end designer, that's that's your client anyway. And they're going to understand what the difference is when you when you do explain it to them or when you've educated your designer as to the advantage of whether it be the wood floor or the, you know, the tile or the, you know, the better appliance or these windows, you know, there's there's so many th- things and there's so many designers now working with new builds and partnering up with GCs that there's just a lot of unexplored revenue out there. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you, I think you're really touching on something with that. One of the things that we noticed, though, with branding is like with designers is that client shopping them is is a very real thing. And the Internet has only made that worse. So one of the things we did was every everything on our site is our brand and it's only shoppable on our site. So the only thing they can compare pricing to is our site because if you go to let's say you use this showroom and maybe maybe you have a local dealer that you work with and they have a brand and then you say okay it's going to be this brand it's going to be Shaw or Mohawk or any of these big brands. Uh, the first thing that client is going to do is Google that and see if they can find it cheaper someplace else. So it does really lock you in as far as what uh, what you can and can't do. And it's not even based on, it's not Shaw or Mohawk necessarily. I'm using them as examples. I don't know that they're not necessarily bad companies, but they're not in control of what that's being sold for in your market. Some flooring store that you're not even doing business with is, so you don't you can't even complain to them for undercutting you. Um, so one of the things that we, we did intentionally was we wanted something to that you would, as the designer, be able to compare it only to us and so, you know, like you're working with us, if there's an issue, like we have that relationship. And if your client tries to shop you, they're just going to see Revel Woods is available on Revel Woods. They can buy it from us directly at a higher price. And that's one of the things that we set it up. So the designer, if they want to, can pass a little of their discount on, but not all of it, because that's just, again, to me, if you're doing the work and you're selling this, you should be benefiting from it, period. I agree 100%. I would like to benefit from selling the flooring. <laughs> well, you're doing the work. Know, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, some designers uh, are still in that mindset of passing on the discount to offset some of their fees, but we're we're trying to get away from that, right? We want to we don't want to sell ourselves short as an industry. So, I mean, we're not going to price fix, of course, but you know, if you can get away from that mindset and you're selling you really are selling yourself short. 
Thank you for just broadening our and expanding our audience's minds a little bit and just helping them think maybe a little bit of a, in a bigger picture of making some of that revenue and, and thinking outside of the box and that small little, you know, Wayfair and Hal's box. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And giving the designers the tools mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. That's really, really important. Well, I was just going to say, we know it's hard. So one of the things that they sign up um, under the professionals tab for Revel Woods is that the, the whole point is we want to do this with you. So the first order, especially if you've never done anything with flooring, can be a little tricky, but it's one of those things that it's it's front-loaded effort. This, you do it the first time. And I would imagine this is true for my other compatriots in the large ticket construction items. You do it once, you do it twice, you do it three times, you're an expert. And then it's like, you don't really need the hand-holding after that. And we know that. Our business model is built around, we're going to front-load our effort in you as a designer as well, so that when you're the idea being you're, you're going to get better at it. You're not going to need the same amount. Like the, the answers don't change to the questions your clients are going to ask. Like you're going to know and you're going to learn this and then it'll just be second nature. So, um, yeah, so that's one of the things we do. I'm sure they'll have some questions. Your audience is always welcome to reach out to me too. If anybody wants to chat, I'm up for it. If they want to chat over happy hour, I'm really up for it. <laughs> and after the wet up wingnut round, of course, we'll give them the opportunity or give you the opportunity to tell them where they can reach you. And all that information will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com. But now I have to ask if you're ready for the what up wingnut round. I'm ready. Now it's time for what up wingnut. Wingnut. John Dupre, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I think I would be... I would be an oak tree, but not the tallest oak tree. I want to be tall enough that I can get above the canopy, but not so tall I get struck by lightning. <laughs> Practical. Yeah, right. there's no running from that. <laughs> no. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Oh, C+. There's a story for that. I am like the most average person I know. <laughs> I have always, in fact, I, I have people, I have friends of mine that have me still in, the, in uh, her phone to this day as John C+. I am like, <laughs> is like average middle class suburban white dude. My name is John. I, I have a, I own a Ford Taurus. Like I am average. So my tombstone will say C plus. You don't strike me as being basic though. Being C plus, you're very funny. I don't see you as being a C plus kind of guy. Aww, that is the nicest thing anyone's just, ever just said a to C me. Or a B minus. I would say B minus. I, would, okay. I was a yeah. I was a solid like C B student. I did I didn't see the value. I was just like straight. I went to like a state school. I didn't have a ton of debt for it. I just sort of kind of got through it. Didn't really have any honors. Didn't have. I'm like straight C plus. I'm okay, like the. Well, I'm, isn't this? I'm I doing a great that. job marketing myself here. I'm, hey, yeah. everyone. I am literally the least interesting person you've ever talked to. <laughs> Want to get a would drink? You- not true. If you could have only one superhero power, what would it be and why? Oh, I want the ability. So I always thought like originally, like I'd want to be able to read mine. So I want to know what's going on, but I think I want to change on that. I want everyone to be able to read my mind so they don't have to ask me things. <laughs> and then we would really know that you're not truly a C plus person. I guess so. And la- yeah. Last but not least, what Philip book has had the big swear jar? quickly (laughs) what book has had the biggest impact on you either personally or professionally okay so i i this one is i can answer this one seriously or i can tell you the truth because the the truth is the one of the most impactful books i ever read when when i was in the early 2000s when i was a little younger and a little more single bookstores were a thing and i bought a ten dollar book on palmistry how to read palms and i can tell (laughs) you that if you are in a party and you tell people you can read palms line out the door. You will be the most popular person in the room. 
I, See, that's already an A minus thing there. I don't, I'm not falling for the C plus stuff at all. That's really I'm gonna, interesting. I'm going to change my hashtag then to uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. So, um, yeah, I guess you wouldn't have an author on that. That's just any palmistry book. Okay, so that's the truthful answer. What's the other answer? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of some of the older Americana stuff. So two of my favorite authors are Mark Twain, cause I, I still think he's funny. Uh, Connecticut <laughs> Yankee and King, King Arthur's Court is one of the funniest books I've ever read. And a lot of the marketing stuff that I've built some of my, in some of our, the businesses I've worked in have been around concepts mentioned in that book. I actually have a painting. I'll just tell the story super quick. There's a scene where. Sure. You know, if everyone knows the story, this, this, for Twain's time, modern age industrialist goes back to the feudal ages where Twain thought the whole feudal system and knights and all that was the stupidest thing in the world. So (laughs) he was making fun of it basically in this book. And he goes back, um, and he has like these knights that are walking around with these sandwich boards, like advertising things like soap. And he convinced them that they thought that was like a real, that was like a fashion statement was these like stupid sandwich boards saying like soap with a little tagline on it. And they're, you know, at one point this knight crosses and, and has this regal, you know, like he's dressed to the nines with a suit of armor and this sandwich board advertising for soap. And they're all over the kingdom, you know, with different things they're advertising for. And for whatever reason, I just thought that was the funniest thing. So a lot of Twain's work, but also. (laughs) Some of the works of P.T. Barnum, if you've ever read his book, The Art of Money Getting, uh, still applies today. One of the best business books I've ever read, and nobody ever talks about it. No, but now that's a first. We've never gotten that one. The one of The Art of Money Getting? Yes. Barnum was, for all of his uh, time period-based faults, was a genius. There's a sucker born every minute. Didn't he say that? Yeah, I think he, I don't know. That was one of those quotes that's attributed to him, but I don't know if it, if he ever actually said it, but he um, was just, I mean, if you even just reading the first section of that book, you'd be like, man, this guy had it figured out. A really good business mind. Putting it in my audible queue. All right. John, please tell the wingnuts where they can reach out to you if they so desire to make all the monies on Rebel Woods. Yeah, all of the monies. You will be rich immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you get two friends and they get two friends, that pyramid (laughs) scheme, I see. And then so on. You just got to put the time. What you put into it is what you get out of it. And um, so anyway, if anyone checked me out on my um, Herbal Life page, it's no, it's. uh, <laughs> the no, it's in all seriousness, it is uh revelwoods.com slash pro dash account will take you right to. But if you go to revelwoods.com, you can just click on the pro tab. If you want to email me, it's just pros at revelwoods.com will get to me. That's like our professional only email address. Uh, you know, you get it's kind of the dedicated, you don't get put in the back of the line with the paying suckers, you get you get preferential <laughs> treatment. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to sign up there, the application we do, it is not BS. Like we, I, I literally approve them all. I got a couple while I was talking to you here, the, you know, we'll check your website. We make sure you're a designer and, that, and that's to protect you. We ask, the only hard question we ask is your tax ID number. Cause one of our payment plans is you can have your clients buy, and then we can actually reimburse you, um, what your trade discount would have been if you wanted to do it that way, like depending on your mm-hmm. workflow. So we have multiple right. ways you can use the platform to source. Um, so we do need like tax ID number. If we're going to give you any money, we need to know you're like a real business. So that we've got that, but that's all in place to make sure your clients aren't going around you and signing up for a pro account. And that, you know, we're, we're pretty stingy about that. Like we're going to turn you away if we, we're going to turn your client away and blow the sale if we think it's going to affect your business as a designer. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for coming on the show today and talking to us about this topic. And hopefully some designers will go out there and think twice about um, some of the money avenues that they're taking and go out there and, like we said, make all the monies. Yeah, make it all. <laughs> thank you. You guys are great. I love the show. I will oh, uh, still be a faithful listener. Uh, and Yay. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I haven't offended you too much here. <laughs> oh, not even a little. Come on. I mean, I'll get over the Miami thing. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, don't they break my heart every year the dolphins oh god yeah you forget you don't forget who you're talking to yeah, our, our glory years were four straight super bowl losses <laughs> <laughs> john oh. thank you thank you so much for joining us today you have an amazing evening Narla, natalie thank you this was great and uh we'll see you next time You know, back to John, you know, being the average C plus guy, he's probably not that average C plus since, you know, they have the company Revel Woods and what he's trying to do for designers is it's awesome. I think it's kind of brilliant. I he's, think it is too. They're doubling down, right? In this age of Wayfair and Howls is they're really sticking to the designer and that business model and just niching, which is key. To make sure that the mm-hmm. designer doesn't leave any Benjamins on the table of something that they can control and they can take over. And the fact that they offer all the means right at your fingertips that even though you mm-hmm. aren't possibly that expert in, in the wood flooring, that they're still going to tell you how to be it. Right. So we love John and we love Revel Woods, of course. But right. there's other companies and other industries that do this Absolutely. too. And you guys have to do your homework and figure out, okay, who Maybe where? we should do our homework and uh, have a couple more guests like that on just to uh, help the uh, designers yeah. out. Yeah. Where are we going to get our um, appliances? Where are we going to get our... Well, we know where we get our tile. Well, of course. You guys can email us. We can help you out with that. Yes, I can hook you up with my tile vendor. Yeah, because, you know, here in Miami, I mean, we didn't get into this in the show so much. It's it's tile, 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 tile. There's no carpet or, or wood here just because the the humidity the elements the sun the sand the surf and it helps you know what it does all of this is it actually helps the designer market themselves more as a full service Mm -hmm. one-stop shop hey you can get it all through me yeah but it just might open the eyes of some people out there like man i could be making money on this is one thing we didn't touch upon because i was thinking more of hard finishes hard surfaces construction kind of thing too but window treatments you know that nicola dwyer she sells the heck out of some window treatments. We're leaving a lot of money on the table. And these are custom things that take a little bit of front end loading learning. But once you get that down, man, the stuff you could make money on, they can't get on Wayfair. So this is the way the industry is going. This is the way you have to start thinking. Or, you know, just refer to them. Here you go. Here's the link to your Wayfair. Pay me my $200 an hour. (laughs) But those don't seem very, you know, that seems a little incongruous. Oh, and by the way, speaking of big words, I want to give him a bonus point for using the word tangential. So, John Dupre, you get extra bonus stars. That is not a C-plus word. Tangential. See, so he's just, he's just, yeah, he's just, he's playing humble. He is. He is playing humble. So, Wingnuts, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening to this podcast on. And also check us out on social at Wingnut Social on all channels everywhere. Give us a call at one eight seven seven wingnut if you need help with your social media marketing. Because let me tell you guys, social is where it's at. That is how you're going to reach your ideal clients and get them started down that hot funnel train to your website to throw Benjamins at you. Speaking of Benjamins, to do design work for them and maybe sell them some Rebel Wood Flooring or whatever have you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. So long. See ya.
You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Hey there, Wingnuts, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am the head Wingnut. What's my name again? <laughs> Hold on, I lost my train of thought. What? Why are you giving me the stink eye? So, Wingnuts, if you want to know where to find us, you should know. <laughs> <laughs>